0: Hey everybody, welcome. Thank you so much for joining. My name is Matthew. Today, I'm gonna to talk about Walter Badgett's theory of banking. All right, so here we go again. We're gonna look at this Walter Badgett's theory of banking uh, from the perspective of the Federal Reserve, Central Bank of the United States. And uh, for those that know anything about finance economics, you surely have heard of Walter Badgett. He was the editor of The Economist, uh, actually married the daughter of the founder of The Economist. He was the chief editor of The Economist for nearly 20 years, starting in 1861. Um, Badgett was not a fan of central banks, though interestingly, he has been quoted perhaps more than any other historian, by central banks. Okay, so that's an interesting fact of history. Uh, I wanna say at the outset, as I like to always give these disclaimers, even though I'm talking about central banking here, I'm talking about the balance sheet of a central bank, in no way uh, should it, could it ever be understood that I believe that this is a good thing. Uh, This is what we have, so that's why I'm commenting on it. But of course, as you know, I'm a fan of Bitcoin. So clearly, I think that there are better systems out there, better possibilities. And in no way am I endorsing central banking when I talk about Walter Badgett. And I think, as our guest, uh, George Selgin, monetary experts, world-class monetary economist and historian, has said, I think George is correct, that uh, Badgett would probably be turning over in his grave, pretty appalled, if he knew the way that central banks were talking about his writings. as far as justifying what they do. Okay. So, what's his theory? What's his theory? Uh, Badgett explicitly says, by the way, uh, many times, he has this famous book. I'm going to quote it. It's called Lombard Street. And uh, he's writing a lot about banking in England, of course, primarily about England, but he writes a little bit about America. And, you know, there is, of course, more and more government involvement. And more and more banking crises. So what does he say explicitly? He actually explicitly loathes the creation of the central bank, the system that we have, the intervention of government. This is why a lot of free marketeers like uh, what he's about. Uh, He even says that nothing short of a revolution could stop our current banking system. And dear viewer, listener, you can imagine what goes through my mind when i hear something like that if you are a fan of bitcoin but he says uh nothing short of a revolution could change the current system of banking i'm paraphrasing a little bit uh and there is no revolution on the horizon there's nothing to be found that could uh, could cause that so i think that's a very very interesting perspective right there nonetheless he says many many times and this is quoted again and again uh he says Okay, so we have the central bank. Since we have the central bank, and I'm not a fan of the central bank, what should the central bank do since we have it? And the Bank of England, again, mind you, was founded 150, 160 years before his writings, uh, before he was alive. So this is what he was dealing with. Uh, Here's what he says in Lombard Street. Theory suggests and experience proves that in a panic The holders of the ultimate bank reserve, whether one bank or many, should lend to all that bring good securities quickly, freely, and readily. And there you see, I have a uh, parentheses that I'm adding, at penalty interest. Uh, This is a very important point. I have actually never seen in Lombard Street one sentence that says exactly how he's usually paraphrased basically what he is usually paraphrased as saying is the lender of last resort should lend freely quickly and readily to banks with good collateral at high interest or at penalty interest and i've actually never seen the penalty interest part in the same sentence so maybe i'm not looking in the correct place but this is the primary uh statement that he said and this is the primary idea banks should lend to good collateral in a panic freely readily and at penalty interest at high interest than they otherwise would get from the banking system from the market so you remember now let's go back to this chart you remember that I showed you uh, in the last video leading up to the Great Depression. Now I have uh, both the balance sheet and reserves. In the last video, I just showed you the balance sheet, but it's gonna be more helpful actually if we show bank reserves on top of this. So I'm putting the bank reserve portion of the the balance sheet, the liability that is bank reserves. Uh, They are the the main driver of interest rates. Uh, I'm gonna put them on this video as well uh the discount rate okay that's what we talked about last video we went through it the discount rate up until the great depression how the federal reserve influenced it you can see very interesting patterns that uh, no doubt uh, someone familiar with finance could recognize as how things go today the discount rate so up until the great depression uh the federal reserve basically used the discount rate all the time okay it was not at all like badgett said Uh, This was just like any other bank and they were lending (laughs) freely, uh, readily to all banks, but it wasn't in penalty situations and it was at low interest. I will show you other market rates to kind of prove that point, but um, it was just as competitive as other banks, if not more competitive. And banks certainly uh, did borrow from the Federal Reserve and uh, you can see their borrowings here in the form of bank reserves. Again. The bank reserves as a liability for the Fed. But what were they buying? They were buying commercial paper, basically loans uh, from the private sector, from banks. That's their asset. But the money that they created ex nihilo, that's in green here. You can see that it rose as interest rates fell. Uh, that's what they did. So uh, we have the Great Depression. We see that the discount rate f- fell here and somewhere around, let's say, even this kind of long period, and I'm going with the data that I have to from the great depression which goes all the way until september 1939 uh sort of the recognized date when both nazi germany and communist soviet russia the soviet union invaded poland of course hitler took the sudetenland and austria before that in 1938 nonetheless september 1939 is uh when world war ii was recognized to be Uh, Having been started, of course, the Americans entered later, and you can see money printing uh, comes here. And then towards the end of World War II, we had the Bretton Woods Conference, where basically the dollar takes over as the premier uh, currency in the world. The discount rate. The Federal Reserve did recognize, although they never explicitly said it, although Ben Bernanke did admit, as I've said, to Milton Friedman on his uh, 90th birthday, in 2002 that they did exacerbate and or cause the Great Depression, but no one has officially uh, admitted this from the Federal Reserve, right? Nonetheless, they wanted to try to get away from what they did in the in the teens and the 20s, not just lend freely at any cheap rate to banks. They wanted to actually kind of reflect what Badgett was saying and have banks you know, of course, lend to them, themselves, lend to each other bank reserves if they needed them. Uh, But this discount rate should have been, as Badgett said, it should be a penalty. It should not be below the market. Uh, Let's move on here. I'm going to show you now the rate of interest that banks charge each other when they're a little bit short on reserves and they want to lend this dark green portion of the balance sheet, which is an asset to the banking system. I will show you that rate of interest. It's called the federal funds effective rate. It's going to be in an orange color showing you right now okay unfortunately i don't have any earlier data than this um, but you can already see that the discount rate is low here you know it's it's hard to say that the federal reserve really knew what they were doing you know this is always joked about that you know in a very macabre way that this was just practice uh you know they didn't really figure things out until after the great depression it was practice but then they started to figure things out nonetheless you can see the discount rate is quite low here right historically as i mentioned in the last video if you follow sydney homer's history of interest rates interest rates have never been this low one half one percent and they've never been as high as here in the 19 the start of the 1980s fed funds gets over 20 percent the effective rate the discount rate does not it gets to almost 15 percent nonetheless a historical low, historical high, and again, historical lows, all in the last 100 years, even though they've had apparently 100 years of practice. This is what the Federal Reserve has given us. Uh, okay, so let's go back. Let's go back. So this is where I do have some market data. This is the weighted average of all banks borrowing and lending with each other when they're a little bit short on bank reserves at day end, and they want to uh, borrow bank reserves from another bank. In other words, this is the core of the system, actually, the federal funds effective rate. It's where banks are lending the basic, basic money of the system freely, readily, in a very liquid fashion all the time. That is this rate, the orange rate. So notice, specifically right here, let's zoom in. What do you see here? We see the discount rate and we see the Fed funds rate. So from here, actually, let me, sorry, I'm going to zoom out a little bit and then go back to the low rate. Though I don't have Fed Funds market rate here, maybe I'll eventually get it. Uh, It's going to take a lot of work to actually get something like that. But uh, these were pretty low rates. I'm not sure if the market was above or below the discount rate at this time. Again, it's kind of absurd that they were so low. Nonetheless, uh, we have the war, we have the dollar taking over, things kind of stabilize after... uh, You know, a couple of the tyrants in Europe are brought down, unfortunately, uh, a major tyrant in uh, the Soviet Union remained, nonetheless, uh, the dollar becomes the premier currency in the world. Things kind of stabilize. And now that we have market data here, starting in the 50s, the Fed funds rate again, what do we see? Well, interestingly, we see what Badgett said. Uh, The discount rate indeed now is not like a normal rate like it was in the teens and the 20s used for regular banking. Uh, This is a a higher rate. I mean, can you call it a penalty rate? Maybe not, but it certainly is the high end of where banks were loaning to each other. So again, the idea now that the Federal Reserve and all central banks today, they try to say is the discount rate is like, they even use this word, it's the stigma. It's the stigma rate. You don't really want to go there. You don't want to use the discount rate if if you can avoid it. And uh, we can see that, yeah, the market. If you're if you're a bank that's doing fine, you're going to be lending here and borrowing here at the Fed funds rate. Okay, again, the base. This is the base of the system. Those green, the green reserves, the green portion of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, the dark green portion of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, that is bank reserves. You're lending these reserves back and forth at this federal funds rate. And and yeah, uh, it was under the discount rate. So that kind of makes sense. What Badgett said. Uh, only in times of crisis would and should the discount rate be used, and it should be a penalty rate applied to good collateral. Uh, banks that are simply uh, a little bit illiquid but not insolvent—that's the idea. And again, Badgett is not a fan of central banks, but this is what he says. So yeah, uh, this is this starts to seem like in the '50s and the '60s, the Federal Reserve is getting a handle on Badgett finally. The penalty rate is above the Fed Funds rate. But then look towards the end of the 60s. You can see where I'm going next. What happens here? Fed Funds is creeping above the discount rate. Above, it does go below, of course. But you know where it could be a point, even two, look at that, two and uh, 2.75% below the discount rate one week. Then the next week, it can only be 0.25%. So it can be kind of erratic but it's generally well below the discount rate in the 50s and the 60s. All of a sudden, it can be 1.75% over the discount rate here. Uh, then back to under. All right, you see the Fed funds is 2.5, the discount is 4.5. So, but you see that these, these bouts of it going above, and let's zoom out now, going above the discount rate even more than it's under the discount rate. This is a problem. This is a problem for the Federal Reserve There are now cracks starting to show in the system and of course there are other many other things happening in the world here I've talked a lot about the Vietnam War I've talked a lot about Charles de Gaulle drawing the gold back uh, Claiming the gold back from the Federal Reserve that was uh, put there at the end of World War II. Uh, a lot of problems for the dollar a lot of problems fiscally for the United States at this point uh, and banks are now charging each other a higher rate than the discount rate so now the discount rate you can see as it you know it's not always below the fed funds now but it's generally it's moved from basically in the 50s and 60s being above the fed funds rate now it's below the fed funds rate typically so here you see again and this is actually the peak this is already the peak looks a little bit different when you zoom in Uh, Paul Volcker, this was high inflation, stagflation, high unemployment here in the 70s. Paul Volcker had to raise the discount rate. And by the way, this was the main policy rate at the time. They weren't directly tracking Fed funds. Of course, they were. They knew generally how banks were lending to each other. But that wasn't the main policy rate. Still, the base-based policy rate for them was the discount rate. And this was supposed to be in the spirit of Badgett, where this is when banks get in trouble— They can come to the central bank. They can come to the central bank's discount window, and they can borrow from the central bank, bank reserves, directly at the discount rate. Even though it sounds like a discount, it should be discounted. I told you the etymology of that word in the last video. That's not what it means. According to Badgett, and according to central banks, they quote Badgett all the time, the discount rate should be above the Fed Fund's rate, and it's not. It's not. Another thing just to point out here, we see that uh, Paul Volcker is trying to cut off inflation here. You see that uh, the rates have risen basically from, you know, this is a historical mean, by the way, you always hear 5%. It actually is kind of a historical mean, 4 to 6% range of interest, okay, per year. You go back centuries, you can see this, even millennia, you can see this. So again, we go to, as I've said, we go to record rates here. Now we're going up to the Fed funds gets over. Banks are lending to each other at this time, Fed funds, and the discount rate gets to 14%. Again, the discount rate is uh, not the penalty rate here. It's not the penalty rate, and it should be. Uh, One more thing. So, why, what happens to the balance sheet? You see the balance sheet continue to expand. And this is where you have to kind of look at the components of the balance sheet to understand. Uh, Remember, typically, when the central bank is printing money, when they're printing money, uh, the interest rate will fall. And typically, when they're taking money out of the system, destroying money, that is selling their assets back into the system and taking the money, those bank reserves that they sold in and destroying them, uh, interest rates will rise when they destroy money. But we can see here that uh, the balance sheet is rising in total, which means they are printing money. But interest rates are also rising. So how did that happen? Well, you have to look at the reserve portion. And that's why I showed you the reserves here as well. So remember what's going on at this time, paper money is growing in uh, usage in the United States. Most of the rest of this balance sheet, I'm not showing you all the pieces like I did in prior videos. Most of the liabilities on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet in the light green here, in the light green, are Federal Reserve notes, paper money. But you can see, that we still do get the traditional, as you would expect, money being destroyed with the digital money or the ledger based money at this time. Of course, uh, you know, there were some electronic things starting, but mostly this is fax and phone in the seventies and the eighties, as far as getting these deals done. And you can see that the ledger based money, that is the the bank reserve portion of the balance sheet, it, you know, at the Nixon shock, it was a 30 billion dollars 30 billion and by the time volcker had taken rates to the discount rate to 14 percent and you know the fed funds themselves were uh 22 percent uh you just gotta kind of catch a week it does go under 30 like 26 billion here so it does fall you can see it's falling it actually continues to fall even though they print more paper money through the remaining two decades actually of the millennia and what's the point of all of it well Point of it is the federal reserve despite what they say despite what they've always said about looking up to walter badgett that he's the person to follow the only time they were following walter badgett's advice and kind of barely was here in the 50s and the 60s they were not following his advice here i know i'm not showing you market rates i will in the future um they weren't following it here in the teens in the 20s here let's see i mean the rate was pretty pretty low it doesn't look like a penalty rate to me as we go low down to a half percent it's only here As we have the data in the 50s and the 60s was the fed funds rate the bank lending rate to each other below the discount rate as Badgett said it should be from this point you know especially after gold the gold window closes kind of seems like the federal reserve lost control of course they lost control inflation was running hot and that's why he had to raise interest rates as he did cut out the bank reserves in the system but you know, what does the discount rate even mean anymore if you can still go to the central bank, but it'll be actually a cheaper interest rate than other banks? That doesn't really make any sense. That doesn't seem like a penalty rate that would keep other banks in check. Uh, That seems like a lender of last resort that I'm just going to want to go to all the time. Now, of course, the Federal Reserve discouraged this. They didn't allow uh, every bank to come. And in fact, the discount window usage fell dramatically all through this period. But you can see that They're not following Badgett's advice. And yeah, you might argue, okay, it's hard to follow when you're already at rates of 20%. You know, you really want to penalize the discount window even more, but that's what it should be. That's what the theory was. Um, And then you can see here, the Fed funds, as we go on through the 90s, it remained above the discount rate all the way until 2003. The Fed started to publish three new types of discount rates. They have a prime rate, a seasonal rate different types of a discount rate I'm not even going to show you that because there's so much other things to cover when it comes to interest in future videos here but you can see that basically they never followed Badgett's advice at all the discount rate at this point uh, always remained below the interbank lending rate and that's how it went on so Kind of interesting. That's all I want to show you this video. We'll go more into the Fed Fund's target rate, which eventually turned into the lower bound, as well as the upper bound here in the next video. But uh, pay more attention to what they do versus what they say. Uh, I have no doubt that Walter Badgett would be turning over in his grave if he heard central bankers quote his work, uh, and then he saw how they actually uh, performed again lowest interest rates in history, half of 1% highest interest rates in history, all time history, 20%. lowest interest rates in history again, 0%. Lots more to talk about in future videos. Thanks for watching.